Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you ready? Because it's time. The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour is on the air. Featuring the jack of all trades and master of none, Joel. Does anyone else smell fried chicken? Couldn't have picked a shorter podcast name. That's like a mouthful right there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, episode 182. I am your host, Joel, and I'm recording at uh, yet a different time this week. I keep switching it up because every week depends on what's going on that weekend as far as when I will have time available, and this seemed to be a good time. So uh, 
If you are new to the show, welcome. Uh, this is my six-song musical mixtape where I play six songs from either a uh, featured artist, which this week is a definitely a spotlight show, or uh, different new artists and talk in between. So if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up Joel Happy Pants Hour. That's K-P-A-N-T-S. Uh, you can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at joelhappypants. And this show is available weekly through iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podcast Directory, I'm sorry, Pod Directory, I guess, .com, Google Podcasts, and as a proud card-carrying member of the Podcast Collective, which uh, you can go to podcastcollective.com. And our little network has grown leaps and bounds in the first couple months it's been around. So go check it out. Lots of really great shows there. Um, I also do two other shows, which are also a part of the Podcast Collective. Uh, 40 Going On 14 uh, with Mike, Pat, and Josh, which is my nostalgia cast where we talk about things then and now. Uh, this week's episode that will be dropping on Sunday or Monday possibly is all about jobs. Jobs that we've had since we were kids up to modern day. So check it out at uh, 40go14.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, streaming Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. Uh, we're also uh, on Google Podcasts and Podcast Collective. Um, you can find us on Facebook, just look up 40 going on 14. Uh, shoot us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. Uh, voicemail 708, now wrap that 708 669 9727. And on Twitter at 40go14. Uh, I also do a show called The Coffin Joe Cast with Killer Wilba over in Australia. Uh, you can find that weekly on iTunes, TalkShoe, Libsyn, and Stitcher, as well as Google Podcasts and Podcast Collective. It is a um, free form show. We have a different co-host every week in the third chair. Uh, this week we've got uh, the lovely Maybellino. But if you would like to be a co-host on the show and either uh, don't have your own show or want to promote something or promote your own show or just want to spend some time with me and Killa, uh, you are always welcome. Just uh, shoot us an email at coffinjocast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, The Coffin Joe Cast, or voicemail 661-434-5956 That's 661-434-KWJO. I also write for the Creeper Cast, which uh, the blog is now in full effect and stuff is being added daily to the site. Uh, you can find that at creepercast01.blogspot.com. More things are coming and uh, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's like a rebirth, so to speak. All the music tonight was provided to us by the artist themselves. If you like what you hear, please buy directly from the artist. Or if not, uh, if you want CD or vinyl copies, uh, support independent businesses, go to your local record store and buy it directly from them. If they don't have it in stock, they can order it. And if you're wondering where the music uh, comes from as far as like which album or whatever, you can always uh, hit me up and I'll be happy to share that information. Um, also, check out my blog at a momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com. Or my defunct comic strip. Uh, it's available through Facebook. Just look up Gregory the Really Angry Robot. This week's show is all about smashing pumpkins. Probably a uh, close tie for my favorite band of all time. Um, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, and The Used all kind of hold that top spot. I, I have no absolutes, I guess. But um, I've played them before on the show, and it just it seemed like it was time to give them their due. I was listening to them quite a bit before the front bottoms kind of took over my stereo, but um, the first song we heard was Pissant. Uh, it's off of the Pisces Iscariot um, collection, which is all B-sides and rarities and whatnot. Uh, it's kind of considered an album of sorts, but it's uh, not necessarily new material. It's stuff you could have found on imports and other uh, singles and various things from the time. But uh, that song is just one of those songs you kick the car up to 60, 75 miles an hour, uh, and just go with that song on the radio. It's 
phenomenal. But anyway, uh, there's something about Billy Corgan and the pumpkins that just makes me happy. And with that being said, I thought, what better way to really kind of uh, showcase that than to play this song next, which I've played on the show before. I've talked about it uh, on other shows and at different times. Uh, This has kind of, in a lot of ways, held the top spot for me as far as my favorite song ever. Um, And I I still think that holds true. So this is off of uh, the Siamese Dream album, uh, which is still to this day probably my favorite album, not only of theirs, but possibly of all time. The song is called Hummer, and uh, it's about writer's block. So when we come back, we got lots to talk about. So let's go.
And we are back. That was Hummer by Smashing Pumpkins. And forgive me if you hear a lot of stuff in the background. I'm currently doing laundry, plus the uh, air conditioner has just kicked on. It's not really that hot out, but it's warm enough that it um, has decided to kick on. I try to keep it at a reasonable temperature, not like crazy 60 degree something or another. Um, But anyway, so I apologize about the noise in the background. Usually with the spotlight shows, uh, the first segment is kind of the Wikipedia breakdown of the band and how they came to be. I'm going to try and do a lot of this from memory just because I have a pretty good knowledge of the band, um, having come up with them as they were making their way through the the ranks of the music scene and becoming what they are today. Uh, But I will also read from the site because there's some stuff there that, uh, you know, fact checking, so to speak. But anyway... Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, which sometimes are referred to as The Smashing Pumpkins. I think it technically should be just Smashing Pumpkins, but it goes both ways. Uh, obviously, an American alternative rock band from Chicago, Illinois. Yes, the home of the wall of guitar, big fuzzy sound that uh, I, I won't say is because of Billy Corgan, but he kind of popularized it in mainstream music culture. Uh, it also kind of drifted down through uh, Champaign-Urbana area with the college rock scene there, which Hum, another one of my uh, favorite bands, that uh, kind of carried on that tradition um, once Billy Corgan kind of started going a little different direction. But it's it's definitely a Chicago thing. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of drifted across the United States, but I don't think anybody ever quite perfected it the way that it was here a lot of bands in the area really kind of latched onto that. And when I was going to shows back when I was still a Ute, uh, a lot of the shows I went to were based on bands that had this big kind of wall of guitar sound. But the original lineup, uh, which was when they formed in 1988, was Billy Corgan, uh, James Eha, Darcy Retsky, and Jimmy Chamberlain. That... Um, lasted for quite a while and then uh, over the years they've kind of come in and out due to various reasons and uh, Billy Corgan has really only remained as the founding and solitary member throughout the entire thing it's basically his band I mean he's gone and recorded one solo album and recorded an album under a different name Uh, he called himself Zwan and he had a different lineup of people but he always seems to have to have a female bass player and Uh, It seems like an Asian guitarist, like rhythm guitarist. It's really kind of weird. I don't know why that is, but it's his thing, so I'm not going to fault him for that. I guess he has his his reasons, but uh, they are still active. They kind of fell off about 2000, um, started coming back again about 2006, and they never really stopped recording. I mean, if you uh, follow Billy Corgan at all on his website, the man is always doing something, whether it's recording, playing, playing. talking writing he's written a book of poetry i mean the guy does a lot of stuff he's producing he's just constantly busy and it's one of those guys kind of like prince and um i'm trying to think of some other ones but he's just seems like he's constantly got a flow of creativity that is pouring out of him um they don't really have a, a specific sound that i can peg i mean they list it here as uh, gothic rock, heavy metal, dream pop, psychedelic rock, progressive rock, shoegaze, uh, electronica, which I think is 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 all kind of uh, makes sense. I mean, I would put them kind of somewhere in the middle of shoegaze and dream pop, I think is where I would kind of classify them. Um, they, When Gish came out uh, after the Lull EP, they kind of found their sound 
And with the release of Siamese Dream, that's when they really crossed over into the mainstream and became uh, what they are today because that album had quite a few pretty big songs off of it that uh, most people are familiar with. Um, I mean, just looking at the track list, uh, Chair Brock was on the radio, Quiet was on the radio, Today was a huge hit, uh, Rocket, Disarm. Um, I mean, these were all songs that made it onto the mainstream and stayed there for quite a while. Today is still one of those mainstays kind of 90s anthems which technically the song is not really necessarily a, uh, a happy song, but is looked at because, uh, that way because of the, the music that goes with it. Um, when Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness came out, which was their follow-up, which Pi- Pisces, Iscariot fe- Pisces Iscariot fell in between the two, um, it was the, the first album after that, um, well, of new material, and it was kind of his magnum opus of the time. It was a two-disc set, um, Dawn to Dusk and Twilight to Starlight, were the, the two separate discs. Off of that album, again, quite a few big songs. Uh, Tonight, Tonight, Zero, uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, 1979. I mean, it just was another one of those albums that really hit um, the the niche that needed to be filled at that time. Um, after that, things kind of started to dwindle a bit, and um, he never really had quite as much success since then. I mean, there's been other songs on the radio, and he's been consistently writing good music. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, he's never stopped, in my opinion, with uh, carrying on making music that is, is worth listening to. Um, over the, the course of that time, uh, Jimmy Chamberlain was involved in an accidental death of a... Uh, keyboard player from the band the frogs i believe it was which uh he had a pretty massive drug and alcohol problem so he had to leave the band uh darcy retsky who was married to uh the founder and lead singer of catherine which is another kind of band that falls under the uh, pumpkins category she also fell into some issues with uh drugs and uh left the band james ehi i think left over probably more creative differences than anything he pretty stand-up guy um and went off to record a solo album which was the opposite of anything the pumpkins ever did very very um light bubblegum happy pop it's a really really good record but it is just uh, there's not a lot of big fuzz of any kind i don't think there's any fuzz on it actually i think it's just a really pretty pretty album um and over the time eventually uh, Jimmy Chamberlain came back to the band for a while and then left again and has not been been back since then. He's one of those guys, kind of like um, Dave Grohl, that has a very specific sound to him that uh, when you hear him play, you can pick him out in a crowd. Um, and since then, there's been a, a Greatest Hits collection that came out that had some additional stuff. Um he took on Melissa Alftermar as the bass player for a while. She was in Hole. Uh, he was attached to and going out with Courtney Love and wrote some of the songs for her album, uh, one of them, unfortunately. <laughs> and I think that's how he got hooked up with Melissa Alftermar. But um, he's since then kind of taken off on his own. He's been recording things and working on various projects through his own, um, I don't know if it's home studio or not, but he's been releasing them by himself basically and it's kind of hard to keep up with everything because with the way he's doing his 
uh, releases. I mean, you can get them through, you know, the various big sites like Amazon and whatnot, but you can also get them directly from him. But it, it just feels like in a lot of ways that there's not that uh, consistency in release dates. So it's hard to kind of keep up because after uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, Adore came out, which is where he kind of went down his New Order, Peter Hook kind of thing. Uh, Machina, The Machines of God and Machina 2, uh, The Friends and Enemies of Modern Music, which one of them came out with a national release. The other one was kind of more of a, I want to say it was like an online thing. I can't remember. This was in 2000, so it was kind of early on in the internet still. But uh, I know it was not something that was as readily available. Uh, Zeitgeist was a big release. I remember that was everywhere. Uh, That was the last, in my opinion, big album that really came out and uh, was available in all the modern retailers. And it's it's a great record. It's a, it was a return to form, and um, actually the next song we're going to play here in just a minute is off of that album. It's probably my favorite song in the album, but the whole album is phenomenal. Um, Tea Garden by Kaleidoscope, that thing's been slowly coming together since 2009. It's still not really done. Um, in the meantime, he released Oceana and Moments to an Elegy, two two separate albums which are good, but um, uh, just didn't ever quite have the same effect as some of the earlier stuff i mean i wish in some ways that he would kind of go back to the roots of gish and kind of revisit some of those themes because there was just some really amazing uh guitar dreamy stuff that he was doing that just i guess for me personally hit a sweet spot so to speak but um you know he's one of those guys that i have a lot of respect for because he continues to do what he wants and is very much making music and art for the sake of doing it. It's just who he is. It's not that he's doing it to make money. It's not that he's doing it to uh, prove anything. He's just Billy Corgan and he does what he does. I mean, he owns a, a tea, is it not a tea shop? It's like a tea room, I guess. I can't think of what to call it. That uh, is in Illinois and he does play there sometimes uh, various appearances where he'll do like acoustic sets and stuff in the shop and and it's his place so I don't know if it's still open I believe that last time I heard I know um, Heather who is a uh, friend of the show who is a used to be a podcaster and um, she I think had gone there at one point and that was a few years ago so I want to say it's still around but um, anyway so yeah that is the Smashing Pumpkins in a nutshell and see what I did there. I threw the the at the beginning because it's hard not to say it otherwise. Let's go ahead and jump into the next song. I've got two really long ones here because Billy Corgan likes to write long songs. So sit back, relax. This one's going to drive you uh, home for a little bit. It's called United States. It's off Zeitgeist. It's by, of course, Smashing Pumpkins. And when we come back, we got more to talk about. So here we go.
United States by Smashing Pumpkins, and it's a long trip, but it's worth it. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> that is off of the Zeitgeist album, and I would highly recommend you pick it up. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, maybe kind of a two-part thing. Uh, the first thing was is that I don't know for some reason this week, um, last well last week I guess technically had a, a three-day weekend due to Memorial Day, and I got the urge to draw, uh, probably from watching. Juliana just nonstop be creative. So just bit something uh, bit me in terms of like the creative bug. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit down to draw. So I sit down, I get my uh, sketchbook and my various drawing pencils and things and try to put pencil to paper and create something and realize that um, I just didn't feel like I had any talent. I just completely lost all sense of any sort of artistic and creative ability that I had. I mean, I literally tried several times to just draw an arm and part of a body. And for some reason, it just, nothing was right about it. Nothing felt right about it. And I know I'm capable. I know that I've spent the majority of my 41 years on this earth being creative in some format, whether it's painting, drawing, uh, podcasting, singing, making music, whatever, I've done it. And I know that I'm capable but uh, it, I don't know whether it's just from not doing it for a while, uh, whether it's just that I was trying to do something more realistic, and so that's what was throwing me off. I don't know. I just I completely felt like I had no longer possessed the ability to 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 draw. Like it was just gone. I just I had no idea what to do. So I I lamented and was frustrated and just kind of sat there with the pen and pencil and paper and just stared at it eventually putting it down and saying okay I, I can't do this I'm just not I, I I don't know what it is I'm not able to do it anymore and I think part of it is as you get older you start to get up into your head and you start to worry about making it look perfect uh, as far as what you imagined 
And I think the difference between you know kids and, and adults when it comes to that is that they have no inhibitions. They just go. They just put pencil to paper and go. And the results a lot of times uh, show the fact that uh, they don't have that fear and it just comes out looking great. And I think, you know, for me, if every line has to be perfect from the first try, which it's not the way it always works. Uh, so eventually I kind of started to just do some random uh, sketches from memory rather than to work from a, a, a source with source material of some sort to try and create something more realistic or something specific. I just kind of drew whatever came to mind. And the result I was much happier with, but I wasn't able to finish it because I started to get back into my head again. And it's frustrating. I don't think it's a, it's a matter of losing that ability. I think it's just a matter of, because, you know, muscle memory, what is it? Uh, you don't practice, you lose it. Uh, whatever they say, the different various cliched sayings. I think it's just a matter of um, confidence and inhibition. So the uh, hopefully I'll get back to that at some point because I, I really still have that urge that and to write in. Of course, the Creepercast fuels that somewhat with the uh, the movie reviews, but I'm talking creative writing. I, didn't, I don't know whether it's I just don't have the time or I just don't have the desire. It's 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 a weird place to be in. It's it's not a real world problem. It's not like you know paying bills and uh, taxes and and going to work and making sure your car runs and all that fun adult stuff. I'm talking just you know silly little problems that really have no bearing one way or the other on on life. Um, but the the next thing I'm going to talk about after the uh, the break is I thought after seeing the raid uh, over the last weekend when I was watching a lot of movies because of the, the three-day weekend, um, I saw a film called The Raid, which is uh, uh, directed by a gentleman who is uh, not Indonesian, but the entire film and the actors and everyone involved, the language, all of that is from Indonesia, which I thought was kind of an interesting uh, take on things. But it's a uh, an action film. And so... I thought I'd put together my list of uh, my top kind of, I think it's 13 I ended up with action films because, you know, I have no absolutes and 10 just seemed like not enough to really narrow it down to the ones I wanted. Um, but we'll get into that more in a minute. But what is it about action films that, that makes people love them? Because the reality is, I mean, it's nothing more than a glorified like mass murder or, uh, I mean, in some cases. And I think... At least for for guys, you know, when you're growing up and uh, you know little boys play cops and robbers, or they play you know war, or they play GI Joes, or they play uh, Power Rangers, or whatever is popular at that particular generational time. Um, you you know immerse yourself in that world of guns and cool gear and uh, grenades and rocket launchers and jeeps and tanks and all that stuff. And so when you get older and you don't play with toys anymore, unless you're an adult who plays with toys, <laughs> um, action films kind of give you that outlet. Uh, it kind of adds to that sense of uh, masculinity and that sense of kind of um, empowerment where if you've ever shot a gun, you'll know what that feeling is that I'm talking about. But then you see it played out on the screen and these people are doing it in ways that are kind of look cool. And it's it's a very kind of machismo thing that I think it hits a certain primal instinct in, in guys anyway, and, and some girls I know too, where you see that and you get that, that, that just that gut feeling that feels good. Um, and when you get the, the storyline in it with the good guy versus the bad guy and people jumping off of buildings and people, you know, doing 
karate with each other uh, because they're best friends. Yup. Or if you've got, um, you know, the the guy with the two guns running down the hall shooting like crazy, which is very ineffective and wasteful of, of ammunition. But in the films, you know, makes it look pretty badass and tends to have amazing results with the bad guys around him. But, um, you know, like with The Raid, for example, I mean, here's a film where you've got like, I want to say like 20 or maybe 30 uh, what they call elite uh, police officers that are going into a building where uh, kind of a mob boss is held up on the top floor and all of his cronies are living and, and working for him on all the other floors between the first one and the 15th, I think it is. So in the course of that, you know, the cops are trying to get up to him to get him out of the building and uh, during the whole time are being attacked on all sides by just hordes of cronies and I think all in all they said like there was like 111 deaths in the film or something like that it's some crazy number um, and when you think about it in terms of real life I mean that doesn't happen unless it's a war scenario and if it does you know it's kind of a tragedy but in the action films it's like people walk away from it and don't think twice so in reality they're kind of bleak and dark and violent but for a guy who wants to escape and feel, you know, kind of that not quite superhero level of, of coolness, but just kind of that, uh, slightly above my pay grade sort of awesomeness An action film really kind of fills that void. And I know for me, you know, people think of me as a horror guy, but I, I love romantic comedies. I love, uh, action films. I love, uh, just about any kind of genre. I mean, whatever's out there, I'll watch it at least once um, because I've found a lot of amazing things that are outside of maybe what would be considered my comfort zone. And I made a conscious effort to become a student of film and action films are very much part of that. And so I figured since I really had enjoyed that film so much, it just made sense to maybe talk about it a little bit. So after the break, we will get into my top 13 action films in no particular order. But first uh, we're going to play the next song, which is rhinoceros by smashing pumpkins. Uh, this one is originally off of the Lull EP, but also on Gish. And this is the the direction that I loved um, when Billy Corgan was early on in the career and was doing this real kind of dreamy, synthy, kind of drawn out songs that are almost hypnotic. I really, really love this song, so I, I had to include it. But we'll get back and uh, we'll talk about some more stuff in just a bit.
All right. And we are back. That was Rhinoceros by Smashing Pumpkins. And in this list, you will see at least three actors that are repeated, one more than any of the others. And um, I'll make note of that at the end as far as who those actors are. But if uh, you pick up on it, good for you. <laughs> so we're going to start at the bottom of the list and work our way backwards because it's probably a little bit more indicative of ter- in terms of where they fall on my um, list. And like I said earlier on, superhero movies are not included. Um, I originally was going to say that, uh, well, that includes comic book films. That, well, I can't say that because one of these is a comic. Well, it was a comic. Maybe it was turned into one after. I don't remember. Um, but not in terms of like kick ass, not, not that kind of sort of superhero y comic or Hellboy was one of them that I had thought about. But that's really kind of. Anyway, um, I thought about not including uh, science fiction, but uh, it, it just felt right. So. Um, the first film on the list is Red, which is uh, retired, extremely dangerous, which was, I believe, based on a graphic novel, uh, which is basically about this guy who is retired from being uh, like a, uh, I don't know if it was a hitman so much as an agent, but he gets sucked back into it and gets kind of a, a crew of sorts seeing this girl she gets involved and it's just a lot of fun it's one of those films that is not so much a, a serious action film that has uh, got a lot of comedy in it as well as just the straight up badass action um they made a sequel to it called red 2 which is equally as good in my opinion and has a lot of the same people that came back again including uh one additional character which is uh you just have to see it to enjoy it um, the next one on the list is Equilibrium. Now, this one's a bit kind of uh, on the, uh, not off the radar, but it's a little bit more off the norm than some of the others. may not be quite as well known. Uh, stars Christian Bale, and I'm not always going to give you who's in it, but in this case, it, it uh, makes sense to bring that up. But uh, I believe it was directed by Kurt Wimmer. It's kind of a, a futuristic morality tale. But in the film, the big, the highlight of it, or kind of the things that sets it apart, is that uh, they practice these these characters practice this art of uh, gun kata, which is basically like kung fu but with firearms, and so it kind of mixes two genres in one. Uh, plus the futuristic setting and Sean Bean, who dies, of course, because he always dies and everything. <laughs> but it's really, really well done. The fight scene choreography is amazing, and it's got a great storyline, too, like I said, that has a bit of a morality tale with it. So if you've never heard of it or seen it before, Equilibrium, go check it out. It's really worth your time. Uh, the next on the list is Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, or Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Mess. If um, you've never seen this before, it is a uh, Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, Uma Thurman is in the lead as the bride slash Beatrix, and... Uh, all the fight scenes are choreographed by Yun Wu Ping, who is a very well-known fight choreographer. Uh, has worked with a lot of the the big boys of the kung fu films like uh, Jackie Chan and whatnot. He uh, did all the choreography and fight scenes for The Matrix, and is just one of those guys that is kind of the well was I don't know if he still is a go-to uh, kung fu choreographer for Hollywood. And these two films together tell one whole story about a, a bride taking revenge on all of the people that uh, had tried to kill her on her wedding day. And it's it's an epic, epic storyline that covers, you know, two films worth, about six hours worth of screen time 
where she goes back and has training and, and tells the backstory, plus all the different individual matches with each of the individual people that she's out to kill before she finally gets to Bill, played by da- Bill, Ca- Bill Carradine, David Carradine, uh, of Kung Fu fame. And uh, it's it's just a really it's a really great set of films that put together into one film is like I said kind of epic. And Quentin Tarantino is known for making long films that have kind of big storylines. So if you've never seen it, I'm surprised. Uh, the next on the list is The Replacement Killers, which was directed by I believe Anton Fuqua, who is um, well kind of was a an it it director for a while has still been doing stuff but kind of is a little bit more off the grid at this point but this one tells the story of a hitman who is um, well once again kind of pulled back into things and it's kind of the guy that you don't want to mess with so when you tick him off he's going to come back and he's going to do bad things to you the opening scene and the final like 20 minutes of the film are just some of my favorite action on screen and it's just like the main character who I'm leaving out the actor who portrays him until later because he's the one that uh, will be the most consistent on the list he um, just loads up on weaponry just has 45s I believe is his weapon of choice if I remember correctly just all over his body he's got them in every little spot he can stick one so that he has, you know, once he's out of the clips, he can, you know, reload or he can just ditch the guns. And he's doing the two-gun thing the entire time, and it's just amazing. If uh, you haven't seen it, I would definitely put it on your list. Mira Servino is the co-star, and I don't really think of her as an action heroine, but she does a really good job, and it's just very stylized and very much fun. Uh, Robocop is next on the list, which this one was uh, really hesitant to put on because... Technically, in my mind, it's more of a science fiction uh, film, but it is, again, kind of a morality tale. It has a lot of undertones and very kind of blatant uh, messages that the uh, director, Paul Fairhoven, is is trying to convey. It's got a really great story behind it. Uh, it's about a, a, that uh, if you ever see the, the making of stuff that's on the, the special edition Blu-ray that's out, it's really worth watching just that stuff alone to kind of get a feel for what this film is about, where it came from. And it tells a story of a, a, a kind of a, not a rookie cop, but a cop who's been transferred to a really rough area who ends up getting uh, basically murdered. And they bring him back as a cyborg cop who then takes on uh, corruption and everybody <laughs> until he eventually gets uh, his revenge. And it's, phenomenal it's just one of those films from the 80s that holds up and to this day just is always at the top of my list of favorite films to just kind of put in and watch uh next up we have bad boys the um uh what's his name michael bay joint with will smith and martin lawrence this one actually also produced a sequel actually i could probably tell you which ones did robocop also had two sequels a remake and a tv show as well as a bunch of had four different uh canadian based films so to speak that were not really very good but anyway bad boys which uh spawned a sequel which was just over the top really large and almost too much uh but the original has the perfect blend of comedy action drama uh great characters great actors and actually 
you know, for Michael Bay, has a, it, it really speaks to his talents as a director because there's lots of explosions and he's really good at doing, you know, quick cuts. And um, it's just one of those films. It's, it's a lot of fun, especially watch it during the summertime. It really is where it kind of it fits. Um, and Will Smith and Martin Lawrence together really play off each other well. They have good chemistry and it's it's just a good film. Um, next up, we have District 13, which uh, spawned a sequel called uh, District, or is it is it District 13? I forget the name of the sequel, but there's a sequel, or is it District B3? I don't remember. It's a French film, a uh, French action film, and it was recently remade into uh, an Americanized film with one of the main characters who was still in it, but then Paul Walker took over the uh, the other role that the other actor was in. Um, and the sequel is just as good as the original. It actually has Elodie, is it Haynes? As she's in it, who she most recently did a turn as Electra on the Daredevil TV series on Netflix. But anyway, this one um, is a slightly in, I want to say just slightly in the future, not a lot, where um, there's these separate districts and each district has, you know, they're kind of separated from each other. And, um, I don't remember the exact storyline, but it's kind of slightly dystopian in a way, but the action in it is, um, there's a lot of, what do they call it? I want, I wanted to say capoeira, but that's not right. It's, uh, oh crap. See, this is why I should prepare a little better. Uh, parkour. That's it. It has a lot of parkour in it where people are jumping and leaping and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and there's no special effects it's strictly people's ability to uh, leap jump and fly through the air uh, everywhere and it's it's very kinetic it's very very well done it's it's something that I, I don't think enough people have seen if you have not um, I haven't seen the remake yet but I would highly recommend the first two films very 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 good uh, next up on the list is The Killer directed by John Woo uh, this one features our our number one action hero. <laughs> and this one is really regarded in a lot of communities as kind of the pinnacle of, uh, of action filmmaking. It's a Hong Kong action film, uh, features a lot of two gun, uh, scenarios. It's basically about a, a, a hitman who accidentally blinds a, a, a singer at a bar, ends up falling in love with her and has to kind of get redemption from his former bosses who are now trying to kill him. It is kind of one of those almost soap opera-esque storylines that uh, Hong Kong action cinema is known for, but is uh, kind of down and dirty and very, very stylistic. Lots of guys in suits with two guns shooting at each other. I believe that uh, it's been referred to as bullet ballet, but... If you've not seen any of the Hong Kong action films, any of the John Woo stuff that came out in the early 90s, late 80s uh, is the stuff that I would recommend. He, When he came over to America, kind of um, took a different direction with things and kind of wasn't, uh, it didn't work as well in the States. And he's since kind of uh, gone away from this style of filmmaking and has done a lot more uh, period pieces and, and films involving war and stuff and has become quite a well-respected director still one of my favorite directors uh especially for action films and very interesting guys got a really interesting history but uh this one again is one of those that's is kind of held in some of the highest regards in the action cinema circles 
Uh, if you've never seen it and you consider yourself a, a film student, you need to watch it. Um, next up is The Professional, uh, directed by Luc Besson, uh, starring uh, Mr. Jean Renau, another French-based uh, action film, but uh, this one takes place in America. Danny Aiello, uh, Natalie Portman's first role, and uh, it's about a hitman who inadvertently gets involved in uh, a little girl's life when her family is murdered by a corrupt uh, police officer and his cronies. And he then seeks revenge along with kind of training her in the arts of being a professional hitman. It's a, it's a kind of uncomfortable love story in a way. It's kind of a father-daughter adoption sort of thing. It's uh, it's really, really, really solid. It's one of those, again, that in at least in American circles is, is regarded very, very highly. It also goes under the name Leon. The Professional, if you are looking for it on uh, DVD, Blu-ray, I believe that's the way that it's kind of listed more these days. That was the original title. It's been released in several different formats and holds up very well over the years. I mean, this thing is now, what, almost 20 years old, and it still just is a personal favorite of mine. Um, John Wick is the next one. This one stars Keanu Reeves and is... A very modern. I mean, this one is, it just came out a couple years ago and really kind of surprised the hell out of everybody because people, you know, Keanu Reeves is kind of hot and cold. Um, people either love him or hate him, and he's had some missteps in his career, but this put him back to form. The sequel was kind of already in production or in being announced before the first one really ever kind of had slowed down its momentum. Um, again, a story about a hitman who has gotten out of the business, has gotten uh, married has a uh, you know beautiful wife and a home and he's happy to be settled down and then he has a run-in with uh, mob boss's son who is his former employer who then uh, kills his um, after his wife dies he then kills uh, well his wife dies he's sad um, and then he run has the run-in the guys come steal his car kill his dog don't realize who he is um then he comes back to take revenge on everybody and it just gets really really bloody and messy (laughs) it's um it's probably one you've all seen if you are a fan of the genre at all and it it blew me away i i had to go out and pick it up within the first week after i'd seen it because i just i loved it that much and seen it several times since then and it just it holds up really well um the next one is is probably in my top three. Uh, this one is Hard Boiled, directed again by the John Woo. This one to me is my favorite over the killer. If I have a choice, I would go with Hard Boiled every time. Uh, it's about a detective named Tequila who um, basically just kind of takes on everybody. Uh, it was eventually turned into a game called Stranglehold, which was also directed by John Woo that was on the Xbox and I believe the PlayStation, I'm not sure. But... Um, Lots of double gun action, suits and ties, shotguns, uh, crazy scenarios. Uh, it's another bullet ballet, and Hong Kong action cinema, in my opinion, doesn't get any better. This one, I wish they would release a special edition on Blu-ray, because the copy that I have on DVD is uh, really grainy and uh, kind of subpar, and uh, it deserves a better, uh, like a Criterion release, in my opinion. So we'll see. It'll probably happen at some point, but... In the meantime, a lot of that film stock from then, uh, especially over in Hong Kong, was lower grade and uh, doesn't hold up real well. Uh, the Raid Redemption falls on the next list. This one, again, we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but um, it, it uh, was something I've just seen a week ago and what prompted the whole conversation because it really just 
puts a lot of the other stuff to shame as far as what they're doing. I mean, it's more of a kung fu movie than a, a bullet shooting grenade kind of thing. But there's a lot of that too, and it just it it kind of breaks a lot of the conventions because it's very uh, not just kinetic, but the camera becomes very kinetic, and the fight scenes are extended. I mean, they three, five minute, ten minute long. Uh, fight scenes are very realistic. It's not a lot of uh, over-the-top kind of uh, Robert Rodriguez, El Mariachi, Desperado kind of things where people are flying through the air after getting shot with a shotgun. This is like a very slow, almost painful kind of, uh, kind of like the, the the way that they've handled Daredevil on Netflix. But again, if you've not seen it and you don't mind subtitles, it uh, is absolutely well worth your time. And if you absolutely hate subtitles but still want to see it, the dubbed version is not terrible, um, but it has two different soundtracks as well. One that was the original, one that was redone by uh, one of the guys from Lincoln Park, which uh, is very similar, but is kind of interesting that he took it on. Um, uh, the next one is one that is no surprise to anybody, Die Hard. Uh, the Christmas movie, that it, to end all Christmas movies, uh, it's about John McClane, who his wife is working for the Nakatomi Corporation. He goes to visit her. They're separated at this point. Uh, he gets wrapped up in a hostile takeover where uh, Hans Grubler and his guys come in to uh, hold the the CEO hostage because they're going to steal a bunch of bear bonds. There's more to it than that, but um, John McClane ends up being the one that has to rescue everybody, and it's very claustrophobic. It's, again, kind of a, a one guy trapped in a situation where there's only one way out. Uh, in this case, it's the building. They can't leave the building, and so he's got to use all the tools at his disposal to uh, take out all of the, the the bad guys and save his wife and everything. So if if you've not seen it, then you must be sleeping or dead or something. It's it's something that I think everybody's seen, and it spawned a couple of sequels, one, two, three, four sequels now. And in my opinion, each one of them is equally as good. I'm a big fan of the entire series. Um, and this... Uh, at this point, we can go ahead and let you in on that this is one of our repeat actors, Bruce Willis, who is also in Red. Uh, he is probably falling in at the number two spot. Uh, but when we get to the, the the number one one on the list here, which is The Matrix, that brings us to our second uh, one that kind of has repeat performances here, Keanu Reeves, who was also in uh, John Wick. Uh, the Matrix is, again, sci-fi. I think this probably falls in my number one spot legitimately as my favorite action film of all time. Uh, the story is epic. The uh, CGI is epic. The action is epic. Uh, Yun Ping is doing all the, the, the fight choreography. There's lots of guns. There's lots of robots. There's lots of everything. It's just a, a feast of, of all the different types of foods that you could ever want. And uh, it's about finding out that... Uh, you were asleep the entire time being used as a power source for uh, robots that have taken over the planet. And it's very much post-apocalyptic. You wake up and then you've got to destroy all of the bad guys because you are the one. You are the, the Jesus figure. You're the, the savior of the entire human race. And it spawned a couple sequels, games, uh, books, comics, you name it. It, uh, it was a cultural phenomenon and still to this day remains as uh, one of those kind of things that uh, may not ever be quite repeated. But uh, the other actor that uh, was featured the most in three out of the, the films that I talked about, Hard Boiled, The Professional, and The Replacement Killers, is Mr. Chow Yun-Fat, or Yun-Fat Chow, depending on who you are and 
where you come from. But he, to me, is my favorite action film star. And it's funny because he uh, used to be scared of guns. So if you watch his earlier films, he uh, flinches a lot when he's shooting. But he always has two guns in most of his films in the early days. Uh, somebody was quoted once as saying, you know, give him a, a man a gun and he's a hero. Give a man two and he's a god, which Mythbusters proved is not true. But he is kind of the uh, Asian equivalent of a Bruce Willis, in my opinion. Although uh, Bruce Willis has proved to be kind of a dick. Uh, Chai and Fat has proved to be a really, really good guy. So um, that's it. Let's go ahead and jump into the next song. This is another long one and just one that always makes me happy. This is a song I used to listen to whenever I would travel by plane. I would listen to this on the takeoff because it it uh, feels like, well, like the t-shirt said, altitude, not attitude. This is Drown. It's off the single soundtrack. It's by Smashing Pumpkins. And uh, we'll be back in, uh, well, it's going to take a bit. So enjoy.
All right. And we are back. That was Drown by Smashing Pumpkins. And this has been a long one, kids. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This has been what, episode 182 of the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. When I get uh, to talk about things that I love, I get a little wrapped up. So uh, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just look up Joel Happy Pants Hour. It's K-P-A-N-T-S. You can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at joelhappypants. Check out this show weekly on Pod Directory, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Google Podcasts, and PodcastCollective.com. Uh, also, check out 40 Going on 14, uh, which is available through 40go14.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, streaming Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio, Podcast Collective, and Google Podcasts. Find us on Facebook. Uh, also, send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com or voicemail 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And on Twitter at 40go14. Also, check out the Coffin Joe cast, available through iTunes, TalkShoe, Libsyn, Stitcher, Pod Directory, I'm sorry, podcastcollective.com, and Google Podcasts. Uh, shoot us an email at coffinjoecast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or voicemail 661 434 5956. That's 661-434-KWJO. My voice is starting to go, apparently. Also, uh, go to the CreeperCast website at creepercast01.blogspot.com. You can check out all of the uh, movie reviews, articles, uh, just a lot of neat stuff going on there and more to be announced soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. And also find us on Facebook, uh, just look up The Creeper Cast, and you can check out all the updates as they come. All the music tonight was provided to us by the artists themselves. If you like what you hear, uh, get it from them directly. Or uh, if you want to pick it up on CD or vinyl, support local business, go to your local record store and buy it from them directly. Uh, check out my blog at a momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com or my online defunct comic strip, Gregory the Really Angry Robot. Uh, just go to facebook.com, put that in the search, and you will find it. So, the last song I'm going to hear after the outro is off of the Rotten Apples uh, Greatest Hits quote unquote album from Smashing Pumpkins. It's called Real Love. It's a sort of a B side, I guess. It's a song that was included on the, the collection. There was two of them that one and another one called Untitled that uh, are really great songs. And deserved a place on an album somewhere so i'm glad they finally saw the light of day but um i always try to leave you with a little bit of words of wisdom at the end of the day but in this case i'm just gonna say go watch an action film i've just given you a list of some of the best and um i expect you to report back on monday so love you guys see you next week kids
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.